It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. It was the Thursday before the final summer-long weekend. We were all looking forward to Labor Day. Maybe that final sunny beer and barbecue before the bitter cold of autumn. Then Google, of all sources, decided to drop a bombshell on its top Apple rival. Its security team had found a major hack of iPhones. Cybersecurity experts at Google discovered a plot to hack a massive number of iPhones over a two-year period. Researchers found a group of hacked websites that exploited vulnerabilities in Apple software that would have given hackers access to users' contacts, photos, and location data. It might be the biggest and most insane hack of the normally impossible-to-hack iPhone in years. On this week's episode, we've got Motherboard reporter Joseph Cox, who first reported the story, to break down this hack. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So, Joseph, how did the world find out about probably maybe the biggest iPhone hack ever that's ever been reported, at least? So on Thursday night, um, Google... Project Zero, which is sort of a research section of Google, dropped. I re- I really can't exaggerate how big of a find this was, or a bombshell it was, in a blog post that they just posted online. And it's, as you said, detailed the biggest hack against iPhones that's ever been um, at least reported. There was no, you know, embargoed release sent out to journalists, nothing like that. It was just blog post, and then I saw it come up on Twitter from various accounts. And it really immediately shook the information security world. Well, I mean, that's the thing is the significance of this is wild because iPhones are typically not very easy to hack. And I mean, how much does an iPhone zero day go for? Like, how much can you get for that? Right, exactly. Hacking iPhones is still really, really hard. Uh, It is pretty expensive as well. A full iPhone hack is going to be anywhere from $1 to $3 million, potentially more as well. Um, I guess just to lay out sort of what Google actually found was that they found that a few websites that were malicious were, if you visited that site, you would get automatically infected with iPhone malware. It didn't discriminate where you were connecting from, uh, who the target was, or anything like that. You visit the wrong website on your iPhone, they can then steal your messages, your location, your passwords, everything. And we've never seen, at least from the reporting, we've never seen an iPhone hack this broad. Usually, uh, when a government wants to hack an iPhone, they'll send a specific link to a specific target. So the UAE may send a link to a dissident, and once they've hacked it, maybe they'll remove the website, you know, so it doesn't get discovered or something like that. These, according to... um further reporting by TechCrunch, they were being indexed in Google, the malicious websites. That's how long they were up for. For at least two years, these websites were indiscriminately hacking iPhones. And that's what Google Project Zero found and disclosed in its blog post, and that five iOS exploit chains were being used, which is an insane amount, which, as you say, these are expensive things. This was clearly a hacking actor campaign that either had basically limitless money or access to a hell of a lot of um, iPhone exploits. When you say limitless money and a lot of time, I mean, that screams nation state. When you think of a hacking, a a, a profile of a threat actor, 
that can do this is essentially you can just send government workers who are your hacking team to work on a specific hack day in, day out, nine to five. Is that the case here? Yeah, I mean, typically whenever you're going to see an iPhone zero day, it's probably going to be a nation state. The companies that buy these exploits, be those Zerodium or Crowdfence or various other entities, they only sell, or at least they say they only sell to governments. So there'll be law enforcement agencies, intelligence agencies, that sort of thing. And of course, the amount of resources and work that goes into developing iPhone exploits, yeah, it's it's almost always going to be um, a government actor. So in the blog post, Google didn't say who was behind um, the attack, but reading it, it was clearly a, a nation state, yeah. Is there any speculation as to who it was? Yeah, so after... Uh, Google published that with without any information on the attribution. TechCrunch reported that it was targeting the Uyghur Muslim minority in um, the Xinjiang region of China. Forbes followed up with that as well, saying that, that was the same sort of um, targeting. And also they impacted Windows and Android platforms as well. And Lorenzo, our colleague, had heard similar um, things along those lines when it came to um, the targeting of the population. Now, Of course, what uh, entity would want to target Uyghur Muslims, that's going to be the Chinese government. There is an unprecedented campaign of surveillance against that population with, you know, uh, facial recognition systems, uh, social media monitoring, and putting at least a million people into internment camps. It's probably the most heavily surveilled um, point on the planet. And of course, I guess it's not so much surprise that malware would then also make a part of that. But the idea that the Chinese would run these websites that, that would indiscriminately hack anybody who visited them, even not Uyghur people, is still incredible and bizarre and over the top. Well, you also have to think that if, let's say, the Chinese government does have this, that they might have deployed it elsewhere. Like maybe this is not the only place that they've used it on right. those specific websites. Right, exactly. And because there was no target discrimination on the website, you didn't have to connect from China or specifically Western China to be infected. So the people who may visit these websites, and again, we don't know the specific websites because Google hasn't released them, but if they're going to be um, somewhat targeted against Uyghur population, you could imagine that maybe researchers have visited those websites as well, potentially journalists too. And of course, Uyghurs don't only live in Western China. Uh, some have managed to escape and they may live in the United States or Europe or anywhere else. And China does target um, those people as well through intimidation and various other tactics. So even though it's focused somewhat on a particular population, there is still wide room for the hacking to impact other people, um, not just Uyghurs overseas, but then just anyone else as well who happened to visit that website. So obviously there was a responsible disclosure here. Mm -hmm. Did Apple fix it? Did they patch it? Yeah, so when Google found the websites um, a few months ago, at the time of discovery, um, one of the iPhone exploit chains was a zero day. A zero day being that Apple was not aware of the issue, so they had, quote-unquote, zero days to fix it. Um, I believe it was the 1st of February, around that time, Google told Apple, hey, here's some details about these zero days, and then Apple swiftly fixed it and then issued a patch uh, later in February. So those particular exploit chains were fixed, sure, but the fact that an actor could have exploit chain after chain after chain for two years from iOS 10 up to 
you know, one of the recent versions of iOS 12 shows that this actor wasn't just relying on one exploit chain. When one was dead, they could just get another one. I mean, the interesting thing, too, about this story is that more and more we're discovering that the iPhone and Apple, which prides itself on privacy, security, etc., and it is very, I mean, all those things it does quite well, but we're finding more and more that these things are becoming more and more hackable. Yeah, yeah, I mean... From a consumer point of view, if as long as you're not, you know, a Uyghur Muslim or someone connected to that, the iPhone is probably still the most robust consumer uh, device. The Android ecosystem is an absolute tire fire with malware on the Play Store and app permissions and all of that sort of thing. That being said, I guess we never really accounted for an actor deploying iOS days on a scale this broad. Like, we knew the iPhone could be hacked, of course, if you have enough money, but we never really assumed that someone would just target um, entire populations. And we also just reported this week that Zerodium and Crowdfence, these two exploit brokers who buy iPhone exploits and then give them to governments, they are seeing more iPhone exploits than ever. Now, that could be because more researchers are focusing on iPhones because, hey, that's where the money is. Um, And also, some of the exploits are lower quality as well. So there's various different caveats there, but it seems to be a pretty good time to get an an iPhone exploit chain if you want it. From a geopolitical perspective, you got to think to yourself, I mean, man, the Chinese government, the PLA... They're able to get these types of exploits. If I'm the NSA, I'm thinking, what else do they have? What else are they stockpiling? Right, yeah. And of course, you're referencing a story about how the Chinese apparently reverse engineered um, an NSA exploit. So rather than, you know, stealing it, they managed to sit on their systems, wait until the NSA hacked into it, and then figure out how their exploit was, uh, was working. Another thing the Chinese have is that rather than having necessarily to buy exploits from overseas or from other countries, they've increasingly become a lot more strict around researchers in their own borders. So I was in Singapore last year for a security conference which is focused on the people who make zero days for governments. And there was a team there, who a Chinese researcher team, who had recently been banned from another competition called Pwn to Own. And this is one where researchers will go, they'll demonstrate the road days, and they're all very impressive. But the end goal is to then disclose the issues to Apple or Microsoft or whoever. Before that, China banned their researchers from going. Like, we don't want you to go to this competition and give up the bugs. And there was similar research, uh, or sorry, related research from a cybersecurity company showing that sort of the defensive arm of a Chinese cybersecurity firm was actually connected to the um, state security services as well. So there is this clamping down in China around the proliferation and the trade of exploits. And of course, it's very hard to show a causal link between that and then this deployment of um, ISO days. But it's not hard to imagine that if you happen to have really talented researchers in your borders, you're not letting them disclose those vulnerabilities, you're going to have access to some pretty good hacking tools without having to go and buy them on the market necessarily. <laughs> and the bitter irony is that Apple still has many of its iPhones built in China. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine that is why Apple has been so quiet here. Um, Google has somewhat more room to annoy the Chinese, I guess. I mean, they didn't, again, they didn't say China in the blog post, but they don't, you know, they don't have Dragonfly, which is the Chinese search engine in China that's been scrapped. Apple has a huge uh, trade interest in China. I don't think they're probably going to come out with a press release saying, hey, China, please stop doing that. Uh, This is a massive market for them. I don't think they're going to want to um, 
jeopardize that. Okay, so I, I gotta ask. I, this this kind of threw me off. So Google discloses something on Apple. These are two massive rivals, massive Silicon Valley rivals. And Google essentially says, hey, I mean, iPhones, hackable. Not a great news story if you're Apple. The other thing I got to ask is, I mean, so they they disclose this to them in February. It's patched. It's released now, like the day before the long weekend. Is there anything, or am I being kind of a conspiracy theorist? So we don't know exactly what Google's thinking was with the disclosure. As you say, uh, they disclose in February, it gets fixed around that time. And then I guess, I, I imagine that Google was just working on the technical analysis of the exploits. I mean, we, we've sort of done a high-level overview of the blog posts, but if you go into them, they're highly technical about how these exploits um, actually work. As for the whole Google-Apple thing, yeah, some people have pointed to the sort of the competitive nature between the two companies. I don't think that Google disclose this, you know, to get at Apple in any sort of competitive way or to, you know, dunk on their products or anything like that. Project Zero is their elite team of researchers and they do similar work with Android as well. They do it with Apple, they do it with anything. Some of their staff will go against, you know, antivirus companies and that sort of thing. They just want to hack and secure whatever they can. But with that being said, it's still somewhat indicative of Google's much more open approach of security recently. Of course, Google has been targeted by the Chinese before, some something of a um, of a pivot point for them. And they've been a lot more open around that sort of thing. Apple is very, very closed around security until recently. Now they've announced another bug bounty. Now they're going to give researcher phones to people so they can more easily um, discover exploits. They're currently suing a company that makes it easier for researchers to find vulnerabilities in Apple iPhones. It's something of a mess when it comes to how Apple is handling security. So maybe this is actually going to force some more change as well. But it's that sort of opaque nature of Apple compared to Google, which is really stark at the moment. Still, if I was Apple and I saw that, like, Google does this to me, I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for explaining this, this bombshell to us, Joseph. Thank you, appreciate it. Hey, everyone, this is Motherboard Editor-in-Chief Jason Kebler. Uh, ben is on vacation, but since he recorded that interview with Joseph, I have a quick update from Apple. Shortly after the recording of this podcast, Apple issued a statement on Project Zero's research. Apple confirmed the exploits were deployed against Uyghur Muslims, but pushed back against Google's claim that the campaign ran for years. Instead, Apple said it ran for two months. The statement also faced some backlash from the InfoSec community, with some seeing it as dismissive of the seriousness of the threat against Uyghurs. You can read our follow-up coverage on motherboard.vice.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Jason, welcome back to the Roundup. Great to be here, Ben. <laughs> okay, so let's start this off with a light one. You reviewed $30 counterfeit AirPods? 
Yeah, so I went to Hong Kong and Shenzhen earlier this year, back in March, and I just went on vacation. I have a friend who lives there, but I kept seeing counterfeit AirPods everywhere, and I was like, this looks like content to me. Uh, so I went to these electronics markets. They were basically my Disneyland, all these, uh, <laughs> like, iPhone parts. And you were probably just a happy boy. Wires and connectors, yeah. yes. I mean, truly couldn't have had more fun looking at these things. Uh, but I kept seeing counterfeit AirPods. Um, one of them was being sold in this like very upscale store. They were called Air Plus. It came in the exact same box as an AirPods. Uh, there was one pair that said AirPods on it and looked exactly like the AirPods box. But if you like looked a little bit closer, the everything was a little bit blurry. Like all the text was a little blurry, and there was some like English uh, miss. Mistakes? Mistakes. That's the correct word. There are some English mistakes. And then there were just like other ones that weren't even trying where it was like being sold at a street market or fair or whatever. And it's like the I8743X. and But it looks exactly like an AirPod. It were they uses, any good? So they were okay. I think uh, the good thing about AirPods, which we've written a lot of stories about how AirPods are very bad for the environment, how they portray this like weird sense of wealth because they cost $170, uh, how they definitely will go bad after a year and a half because the battery can only be recharged a certain amount of time before it starts uh, dying. But AirPods are also good in that they connect to the iPhone like super easily. You just like put them in your ear and they connect. Uh, that's not the case with the counterfeit ones because they don't have the correct chip in them. So you have to like go into the Bluetooth menu. Also, AirPods make this very pleasant like bloop sound when you uh, when they connect. Whereas, like, oh, we got a fancy boy over here with with uh, some AirPods. I got them uh, for Christmas. So I'm uh, very okay. ashamed of this fact. Right. However, the I bourgeoisie do. strikes again. Bourgeois, yeah. I wear uh, my hair along because uh, to hide them from the masses, Good. so that people don't know I have AirPods. Anyways, when you connect these counterfeit AirPods, it goes like connecting. <laughs> and so uh, it, you, you can tell they're fake. However, uh, Caroline Haskins and I wrote an article about this. She she wrote the AirPods are a tragedy article from earlier this year. And she wrote about how counterfeit AirPods sort of portray the same uh, like image to society because they look like AirPods from afar and you still look like a douchebag if you're wearing counterfeit $30 oh, AirPods God. as you do if you're wearing $180 AirPods none of this, or whatever. None of this makes any sense to me for... I'm just a wired... You have a I'm very a wired, simple brain. I'm a wired plebe, you know? Yes, yes. My wired pods. Yeah, you don't get the memes. I'm just, it's. I'm too, you know... I, I'm old school, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so we just did an, a big interview with Joseph Cox about you know, how Google announced that the iPhone had been getting hacked probably by China. But also, exploit sellers are saying there are more iPhone hacks on the market than they've ever seen before. Yeah, it's not been a very good year for iPhone security and Apple in general. I think that this is a result of these sort of exploit brokers. Uh, Zerodium is one of them. I'm sure Joseph maybe named some of the other ones. The Darth Vader of cyber. Exactly. Uh, They basically put bounties on uh, iPhone and iOS exploits where they say, hey, we'll pay two or three million dollars if you develop an iPhone exploit and then we will, you know, resell it to governments or 
uh, hacking teams or what have you. And I think as a result of saying, hey, we're going to give $3 million to anyone who can crack an iPhone, basically everyone was like, well, I'm going to go look for exploits on the iPhone then. And as a result, people actually found them. And whereas iPhone exploits were very rare in the past, we think that there are now a lot more out there. I'm still not going to be an Android boy with like that. I don't want to be the green bubble guy. Like it's just not happening for me. Yeah. I mean, Android exploits are now more expensive than iPhone exploits, which I think is maybe the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. Uh, This is a testament both to like Google taking Android security more seriously, as well as the fact that they're like, Android is a very fractured ecosystem. So Samsung's implementation of Android is different than HTC's implementation of Android, which is different than stock Android, which is different than, I don't know, Nokia. Who else fucking who, makes who phones knows, these man. days? I don't touch Android. They're all, yeah, they're all different. So it's yeah. like the hack might work, not work on uh, one device when it does work on another, whereas an iPhone hack will work on all, all iPhones because, you know, Apple controls them. I am thinking about becoming an Android boy, though. Nah. We can talk about it another I'm, time. I'm staying away. I'm, I'm out, man. Remember I had an Android phone once, and there was, like, pop-ups. I was like, this is, like, a PC from 95. Like, I'm not doing this. Uh, so, uh, on a more serious note, there's a great story up on Motherboard right now about how mental health websites are not dealing with people's data very responsibly. Yeah, I think that this is not terribly shocking, but still disappointing. Uh, There are a lot of websites out there that cater to people who have depression or who think they might be depressed. Um, I can't name any off the top of my head. Actually, I can because I'm reading the article right now. Uh, Ecounseling.com or doctissimo.fr is a French one, uh, where it's something where you go there and there are forums to talk about, uh, you know, coping mechanisms and things of this of this nature. Um, there's obviously a lot in English as well. And what these researchers found was that people were going to these websites and these websites were just reselling their data to advertisers, uh, which is fucked up, but is something that we see across sort of all Yeah, but it's just, markets. It's, it's, it's also just like, you know, this is, people are going to you in need. Yeah, it's really <laughs> and bad. And you're up 100%. And they, you're you're violating their privacy. Like. Yeah, I mean, they found in some cases that they were like, are you depressed quizzes where you sort of rank, you know, your feelings on one to five or whatever. And this was also being resold. So I think it's just one of those things that it's like a sobering reminder that if you're not paying for something, someone like these sites have overheads and they have to pay for themselves in some way. And if you're not paying for them or if they're not obviously funded by like donations or something like this, then they're probably doing something very shady with your data Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's just depressing. It's bad. Jack Dorsey of Twitter, just everyone's favorite, he got hacked. He did. And you know what? So when I learned that Jack Dorsey was getting hacked, I was walking out of Vice Media LLC's office at maybe 4 p.m. on the Friday before Labor Day. He chose like the best possible time to get hacked. Uh, Not that anyone chooses a time to get hacked. It was when not very many people were paying attention. I was on my way to the pool because it was a lovely day. I believe you were on the beach. I was was at the beach. Yeah. I was getting a bronze tan, my friend. Uh, It's looking good. You do. You look great. Thank you. Uh, 
so yeah, Jack got hacked at like a time when we didn't have anyone online and I had just sent everyone home. So we didn't end up covering this, but it's like, it is crazy. It's, think about it, it's, it's really it's crazy. It's like lots of people have gotten hacked on Twitter over the years, but this is like, the CEO of Twitter got hacked and not just for like a minute for like hours and they were publishing like Nazi stuff like bomb threats like really really bad things yeah it was like what I find hilarious about how under the radar this story was was I had no idea about it until I turned on my computer and saw Slack on Sunday that's like a full two days and I'm I'm still on Twitter like looking at stuff in between now and then and that's these hackers have to get better at their PR and timing yeah. because, like, Friday on. afternoon on a, a holiday weekend in the U.S. because the world revolves around us. Yeah, um, you know, not not the time, not the time to do it. Um, I think so because this happened in a weird time. I didn't follow it super closely, but I believe that they exploited a not a bug, but a feature in Twitter that allows people to text to tweet. Um, so it's possible that. Uh, Jack got SIM swapped, um, which we've covered a lot of times on cyber where his cell phone number was maybe taken over. And then they were able to send tweets by texting them to a specific number once they had his phone number. I believe that's the current thinking. Yeah, I was reading that that was was sort of the, that was the going theory. Yeah, and uh, since then, Twitter has since disabled that feature. Uh, which was very cool. Like, I used to tweet from my dumb phone. Twitter's been around for longer than I've had a smartphone. And so I used to tweet by texting, like, tweet to the number tweet, whatever the number spell out tweet. And uh, that's not something that people are really doing anymore. It's just something that's being abused by hackers multiple times with multiple different people. So... Takes sucks, Jack. sucks to be Jack. Sucks to be. It takes Jack to get hacked. How many times are we going to say this to exploit that little rhyme? I don't know, but Jack got hacked, and now there's no more tweeting numbers. And ben, tweets. thank you so much for having me on the roundup. It's been wonderful. Thanks for I coming think, on the I roundup. I think it's time to to call it here. Okay, let's call it. All right. This week's episode was recorded and edited by Andrew Bursick, hosted and produced by me, Ben Maku. And you'll be hearing from us next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.